press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, August 29. Wear pink tomorrow for Lynn Dawson. That's the plea from the family of the missing mum. 40 years after she was allegedly murdered by her husband, rugby league star Chris Dawson. The case, made famous by The Australian's podcast, The Teacher's Pet, is just one day away from a verdict in the New South Wales Supreme Court. Chris Dawson's pleaded not guilty. Later in this episode, we'll hear from the courtroom as anticipation builds and find out why this case matters so much for justice and for journalism. A landmark deal between small business and unions will open the way for multi-employer agreements and a simpler test for approving pay deals. Small business owners have long complained that the award system is way too complex. The new deal between the Council of Small Business and the Australian Council of Trade Unions means a single employer can negotiate a workplace bargain with their own employees. A hugely significant day for golf and for international affairs, as speculation mounts Australian superstar Cameron Smith will today be revealed as the newest and most high-profile recruit for a rebel golf tour backed by Saudi Arabia. The hugely lucrative tour means Smith can set himself up for life with a signing bonus reported to be $100 million. But he's facing accusations he's walking away from golf's heritage and endorsing Saudi Arabia's repressive authoritarian regime. More on that story and why the Saudis want Cam Smith so much later in the episode. In just one day, finally the answer to a 40-year-old mystery. Former teacher rugby player Chris Dawson's trial for the alleged murder of his wife Lynette 40 years ago has ended. Chris Dawson denies that he had anything to do with Lynette's death, but a court heard today he had contemplated hiring a hitman to get rid of his wife. What happened to missing mother Lynn Dawson? She disappeared in 1982, the mother of two little girls. Her husband, former teacher Chris Dawson, has faced the New South Wales Supreme Court charged with murder and on Tuesday at 10am, Justice Ian Harrison will bring down his verdict. In that courtroom will be journalist Matthew Condon along with many other representatives of the media and the families of Chris Dawson and Lynn Dawson. Matt, what's the scene going to be like in that court? Claire, I've been trying to imagine what it's going to be like, whether it's going to be indeed in the same court, 9D in the Supreme Court, because it will be, I think, pandemonium. It's been exactly seven weeks since His Honour rose the court and away we went to wait for the verdict. From what we've gathered too, we've had contact from listeners of our podcast, The Teacher's Trial. We've got people coming from other parts of Australia to try and be present for the verdict. It's a very big deal, and I think that'll play out tomorrow. If Chris Dawson is found guilty, what will happen to him? Will he be allowed to walk out of the court? Well, we've received advice on this from experienced people, and it is the usual practice that an individual found guilty of murder 
is not permitted to simply walk back out into society, he will, by all accounts, be taken into custody. If he's found not guilty, Matt, would you expect him to say anything? I've tried to imagine both scenarios. There would clearly would be jubilation. This will be weighing on him very heavily. Uh, it's preoccupied his life for over 40 years, but since he was charged with murder in 2018. This is not an ideal retirement for an individual like Christopher Dawson. So if there was a not guilty verdict, I imagine there will be almost unbelievable relief. He will be permitted, being found not guilty, to walk free and lead his life. Matt, this is close to home for The Australian because it's a piece of journalism by one of our colleagues, Hedley Thomas, that brought this matter to the courts at all. Two coroners had found that Chris Dawson should be charged with the murder of Lynn, but there was no action until Hedley made the Teacher's Pet podcast in 2018. How much has the Teacher's Pet resonated throughout these criminal proceedings? If you take the podcast The Teacher's Pet in isolation, it is an absolute masterclass in investigative journalism. I think that is why it received traction on a very old cold case and why the wheels of justice finally turned. I don't, there's, it's unequivocal that you can attribute that to the work of Headley and The Teacher's Pet. This, of course, was embraced by the defence from day one of the trial. Their argument was that it would be absolutely impossible for the accused Chris Dawson to get a fair trial, given that the teacher's pet had given this case such not just broad national exposure, but it was a a major, major international juggernaut, the teacher's pet, as a podcast. So you had in excess of 60 million people around the world downloading and listening and being enthralled Matt, you're an investigative journalist yourself and we work with many journalists who do pretty edgy investigative work all the time. Do you feel like this trial is a bit of a trial of journalism? It became that, but I certainly didn't expect, nor did I understand the logic of the defence's argument in relation to that sort of negative cross-pollination of recollections given by normal members of the citizenry who had a story to tell. I couldn't understand how anyone could prove that this podcast investigation could so tyrannise their recollection that it could no longer be trusted in an actual court of law. I don't think the defence came anywhere near approaching an explanation to that nor proving that, but it didn't mystify me and send flashing red lights in the back of my mind as a journalist that we may be at the beginning of something here that will play out in courts for years to come, given the podcast is such an extraordinary platform for deep dive investigation. It can go into corners that other areas of journalism simply don't have the time or the space to do. I think the justice system has yet to catch up to what the impact of that may be. And this may be one of those first little litmus tests. And that's been the traditional paradigm because we've only ever had the traditional adversarial situations and that be at the justice system as set in its ways as it is. The function of generational police trying to do their best with their investigations. And then you have the fourth estate, this potentially intruding body essential to democracy, of course, 
I've been a journalist long enough to know that there's always been a sort of polite adversarial standoff between journalists and police and never the twain shall meet. But the podcast changes the rules and I think we're going to have to examine that very carefully. Matthew Condon is a senior reporter with The Australian and he'll be in court in Sydney tomorrow where members of Lynn's family and their supporters will be wearing pink in her memory. Coming up, why does Saudi Arabia want to recruit Australian golfer Cameron Smith so desperately? And what's in it for him? That's up next. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Speculation is mounting that one of Australia's most beloved sportsmen, Cameron Smith, is about to make one of the biggest calls of his career, potentially signing up with a Saudi Arabian-funded golf competition Live Golf. Just 15 miles as the crow flies from the heart of Manhattan and the city that never sleeps, Live brings its brand of golf that simply never stops. One of its figureheads is Australian golfer Greg Norman. I'm joined now by one of our sports editors, Stephen Samuelson, to tell us about it. Stephen, what is Live Golf? Oh, Live Golf is what some people bandy around as a rebel golf tour. But what it is, it's, it's a new tour that is funded by, as, as you said, the Saudi Arabian government sovereign investment fund with Greg Norman as, as its figurehead. It's been trying to sign up a number of the world's top golfers. And it's a different concept, different format. It's the name Live Golf is Roman numerals for 54 because it's played over 54 holes. So it's three days work, not four days work for the golfers. And it has a shotgun start. So in traditional golf, everyone starts on the first tee or the 10th tee if it's a, the first two days of a tournament. But here, everyone starts on a particular hole and they fire off. But the real th- point of difference with this is the amount of money being thrown around. It's a $25 million purse for the whole tournament, isn't it? What does that kind of money mean for the golfers? So I'll give you one example. Jed Morgan, who won the Australian PGA last summer, he got around $180,000 Australian for winning that. But to come last in one of those live tournaments, he would have earned about $175,000. So the golf establishment has taken a pretty hard line to this, haven't they? If you play with live golf, you're effectively banned from the PGA Tour. Is that right? That's exactly right. And you're banned for playing in team events such as the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, which is next month as well. So the likelihood that Cameron Smith will be playing in the President's Cup next month is extremely unlikely. So Saudi Arabia is an autocratic monarchy. They have serious problems with the rest of the world, in particular the United States, although that's easing a little bit as the US becomes more dependent on Saudi oil. They're pursuing relationships with Russia and China. Is this a case of sports washing, where they try to use sport to take attention away from those controversies like human rights? I don't see how a bunch of rich sportsmen becoming even richer is going to make anyone feel any different about the regime there. 
But they, this is not the only sport that they've been investing in. They quite controversially brought a large stake of Newcastle United in the English Premier League, and that caused shockwaves throughout the UK. And they've also uh, invested in pro cycling team. And I believe they might have had a women's team in the inaugural Tour de France La Femme this year, which is sort of ironic. How much money can Cameron Smith make over a career, let's say, if he does make this decision, go to play live golf and theoretically is excluded from the PGA Tour for the rest of his life. If the figure's correct, it's a US $100 million to sign with Live Golf. I can't imagine he would have earned more in his career. Money in golf is a traditional association. Is it fair to be accusing him of chasing money? It really depends what you want in your career, and it's his career. He's not going to get the glory from Live Golf because none of these tournaments mean anything to the fans. It's the fans who are the real losers in all of this. It's unclear whether he'll be able to play in any more majors. So he's not going to add any more luster to his career in a way. Mm. So all there is left is then is money. And, you know, and some of them, certainly some of the older golfers, and, and one of the criticisms made of Liv is that they've got guys who, who were once big, who are now over the hill. They don't have to play 40 weeks of the year, and that really appeals to them. So golfers like Rory McIlroy, who are saying they're going to stick with the PGA, stick with the traditional format of golf, what's their argument? I think Rory has also used the sports washing argument before. I think if the Saudis are hell-bent on spending money in golf, like let's try to get it spent in a way that benefits the wider ecosystem. I think he probably is motivated by the traditions of golf. He quite famously won a PGA event, and with that he went past Craig Norman's number of PGA wins and he made a special point of saying after that, you know, I've passed someone who I won't name. So I think the traditions of the game probably are something he cherishes. If Cameron Smith does go to live golf, he'll probably be the biggest name going, Stephen. How much of a coup is it for them to get him? Oh, it's a big coup because one of the big criticisms of them was that they were getting guys ready for retirement to come across. And so now they've got a a number two golfer in the world who got very close to becoming number one last week. So it's a big coup for them. What they do with it, who knows? Stephen Samuelson is one of the Australian's sports editors. The Dawson verdict will be a huge news event, a 40-year-old cold case and an Australian podcast that took the world by storm. You can follow the verdict live at theaustralian.com.au and don't forget, come back to the front for all the news, analysis and reaction every day this week. A troubled young woman, her evil parents... We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.